So as I mentioned earlier, today marks the beginning of Advent. Um, Advent is a season. Uh, oftentimes we, I think, kind of confuse Advent and Christmas. We think sometimes of Advent as just uh, lighting some candles, which we saw earlier today. But, but Advent is, is more than that. Christmas is this, this day that we celebrate. Um, but Advent prepares us to celebrate. And it was begun in the 4th century, and we hear we have documents from the 4th and 5th century about the early church using it as a season for those who are new believers to fast and to pray, to get ready to celebrate Christmas. But what is Advent? Well, it comes from a Latin word that means coming or arrival. And that Latin word is actually based on the Greek word parousia, which meant second coming. So it's kind of fascinating that when we think of Advent, we're all often thinking of it as looking back to the birth of Jesus, celebrating the birth of Jesus, getting ready to do that. But what Advent actually does is it actually points us forward as well, that second coming, that second arrival of Christ. And as we know from the scriptures, we are told that that second arrival will be much different, for Jesus this time will come in power and in glory, and he will judge the world. Now, now that kind of makes us a little skittish and a little nervous, and we'll be talking some more about that during this season of Advent. But, but I want us to see that, that this whole month of, of the, well, the very end of November and, and the rest of December is this time where we, we, we live in this kind of tension of looking back to the birth of Jesus, but also looking ahead to when he re- will return. And what that means is you and I live in between the two Advents. And Advent is a time for us to kind of look into the darkness, look into the uncertainty. Now, I remember years ago, I was up in Santa Cruz with some friends, and we had gone out to to grab some coffee and get my daily morning infusion of caffeine. And we walk into this local coffee shop. It wasn't one of the brand names. And and when we walked in on the the board, it had the coffees of the day, the light roast, the dark roast, and everything else that they were offering. And I'll never forget the name of the dark roast of coffee that they were serving that day. It was called Heart of Darkness. Now, you talk about a foreboding name for a cup of coffee, the heart of darkness. And I just had to order it. I honestly don't even remember how how it tasted, if it was that good or not that good. But I'll never forget that name, the heart of darkness. And what Advent is about is, is, is kind of looking into that darkness. Christmas is about lights. It's about presents. It's about bows and wrappers. It's, it, it's, it, it's this, this grand celebration. But Advent says, slow down a little bit. Spend some time thinking about the heart of darkness. And I know you all are thinking, great, Paul. Hey, we're already, you know, eight months in, eight and a half months into pandemic. Now we have this curfew. There's plenty of darkness. We know all about that. But I think it's important for us to kind of just slow down a little bit. Because when we look at this world, as we live between these two advents, we have to look around and, and, and wonder. If Christ has come, why is there still so much suffering, so much sorrow, so much uncertainty? Why do innocent people still seem to to go through so much? And it's interesting 
that the Gospel of Mark, which is the lesson we're going to take a look at in, in just a bit here, that, that Mark writes to the church in, in, a, in a similar sort of situation. That early church, Mark probably, this letter is probably written around AD 65, uh, which is right after the great fire of Rome. And if you remember this fire of Rome, it destroyed a huge portion of the city. And Nero was the emperor during that time, and he was looking for someone to blame. And so he blamed the Christians. And, and there was this persecution that arose against the Christian church. And they had to look around and they had to wonder, you know, Jesus had said he was coming back, and yet he still wasn't coming back. And now they were being persecuted, and life was not easy. And they probably cried out as well. And it's interesting that Mark made sure to include this story that Jesus tells in the 13th chapter. So we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. Listen now for what God's word has to say to us. This is Jesus speaking. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the father be on guard and be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So here we have Jesus. It's near the end of his earthly teaching. In the next chapter in Mark chapter 14, he will be arrested. But the end of his teaching He's gathered the disciples and he's talking to them about this, about how he will return one day. And it's fascinating. You, you have Jesus here, but he says about that day or hour, no one knows, not even I know, which is fascinating to me that Jesus says, I don't even know when it's going to happen. I remember at this point, Jesus is fully God and fully human. So we're probably seeing his fully human side. But I find it fascinating, and this is not the focus of my sermon, but I find it fascinating all these people who, who look at the scriptures and say, we know when the world, end of the world is going to come. We know when Jesus is going to return. And I'm like, man, if Jesus doesn't know when it's going to happen, there is no way that you and I are ever going to figure that out. But then he tells a story. He says there's this owner of a house, and he decides to take a trip. He goes away. And he leaves the people there. And he says to the doorkeeper, keep watch, be aware, be on guard. And what Jesus is describing in this story, which the disciples probably didn't know at that time, but now, you know, after his resurrection, they figure this out. He's saying, I'm going away as well. I have created a family. I have put you all in a home. I have given you a place. I have given you community. And now what you are to do is to watch and wait. You're to wait, but you're also to watch. You're to pay attention. You're to, you're to keep on living. And that's what we want to talk about today, these three ideas of waiting and watching and living. But Jesus says to those, to his followers, but he says to us the same thing. Wait and watch and live. Because one day I will return and you need to be ready. Ready to receive me. 
ready to know me. And you see, Advent is, is, should be making us look to that future as well. Of recognizing that there is this struggle. And so there's this thing that, you know, these, these ideas that Jesus has, he says, look, you're going to have to wait. Now, some of you have the gift of patience. I do not have that gift, and I am envious of those who do. I'm trying to work on it. I really am. There are days when I'm like driving, and I'm like, I'm just going to be patient today. I'm going to wait expectantly. Not going to be in a hurry because when I drive, I want to be in the lane that's moving the fastest. When I'm in a line at the grocery store, I want to be in the line that's moving the fastest. I get frustrated if there's a problem or there's a concern or there's an issue or whatever the case might be. That annoys me, and so I don't really like to wait. If there's a shortcut, I like to take the shortcut. But God doesn't always work that way, and God actually rarely works that way. So one of the bummers of COVID has been that uh, almost every year our family has gone to Disneyland and, you know, it's gone, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, throughout the summer, whenever we might go and, and, and just make an annual pilgrimage to Disneyland. And we didn't get to do that in 2020, nor does it look like we're going to get to do that. But one of the great things that Disney figured out years ago uh, was for those rides that were super popular, they created the Fast Pass. And you may remember the Fast Pass. And you could go to the ride and you could get a little ticket and it would tell you when to come back. So you actually didn't have to wait in line, in that super long line, for the ride that you love to ride. And you got your fast pass and then you can go and do other stuff in the park and then return whenever the fast pass told you to return. And you didn't have to wait in the super long line. It was genius. Because what it did is it allowed you to do other things while you were waiting, you let this computer basically stand in line for you, electronically stand in line, whatever that looks like, while you went out and enjoyed the rest of the park. And when I think about waiting, and I think about what it looks like to wait for Jesus, I think we have to work in work on our waiting, work on our patience. Because oftentimes the way in which God works, he works as we wait. He works in the midst of our restlessness. He doesn't allow for shortcuts because sometimes it is in this process of waiting that God is teaching us things that we really need to know. And so let's not grow discouraged. Even as we wait for things like vaccines, let's not grow discouraged, but let's be reminded that as we wait, God is with us. And, and we wait with a sense of expectancy. And, and, and that's part of what Jesus is saying in this story. He's saying, wait expectantly. Keep watch. That's the second thing that he's talking about. So we wait and we watch. We pay attention. Now, the irony of Jesus telling this story here at the, at the end of, Matthew, of Mark chapter 13 is that then we move into Mark chapter 14. And if you may recall, that's the chapter when Jesus goes to Gethsemane. That's when uh, he predicts Peter's denial. And it's also where Peter, James, and John go to the Garden of Gethsemane with him. And, and as you may recall, Jesus goes out to pray. And he's alone with God. And the disciples keep falling asleep. The second time this happens, we read this in Mark chapter 14. Rather, Mark chapter 15, verses 39 to 40. Here's what we read. Once more, Jesus went away 
and prayed the same thing. Remember, he's praying that the cup might pass from him. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. They had fallen asleep. He had said, just wait here with me. Watch with me. And they couldn't stay awake. Now, I remember years and years and years ago when I was in college, I decided to pull the one and only all-nighter that I ever pulled. And my roommates were like, it's fine. It's no problem. I had to find all that next morning at 8 a.m. And so I was like, okay, I'm staying up all night because I really didn't know the information the way I needed to know it. And I was staying up and I was staying up. And it got to like 5.30 in the morning and I was just done. I could not stay awake. And so I crawled into bed at 5.30, set my alarm for 7.30. And when my alarm went off at 7.30, I had no idea what was going on. And I went and I took that final and I bombed that final. It was the only all-nighter I ever tried to attempt because I just cannot stay awake. I knew I needed to stay awake. I knew I shouldn't go back to bed. But I couldn't help it. I couldn't stay awake. And the disciples were experiencing the same thing. Jesus had said to wait and to watch. And they couldn't keep their eyes open. In Luke chapter 2, after the birth of Jesus, his parents take him to the temple to, to offer him to God and to offer the sacrifices that were called for. And they encounter both Simeon and Anna. And I just want to read a portion of their stories. Because both Simeon and Anna, I want to suggest, were paying attention. They were waiting and watching. Here's what we read. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah moved by the spirit. He went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people, Israel. And then skipping down to verse 36, the story of Anna. And I love how these just back into each other, that, that both of these people were just waiting and watching. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. It's interesting. Those are the same things that they did during the season of Advent. Coming up to them at that very moment, to Jesus and Mary and Joseph, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna and Simeon, watching and waiting. And they didn't miss Jesus. And so what I want to encourage us during this Advent season is I don't want us to miss Jesus. Now, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know that he's going to come back in glory between here and Christmas. I mean, he could. I don't know when the day is, is either. That's why I readily admit that. But I'm not sure he'll come back in glory between now and Christmas. But I think if you pay attention, 
you will catch glimpses of Jesus. It might be in the form of a stranger. It might be in the form of a homeless person. It might be in the form of a person whom perhaps you have, you have struggled with. It might be when you're praying. It might be when you're walking around outside. I want to encourage you during this Advent season, since Advent is about watching and waiting, I want you to be looking for Jesus, to try and catch a glimpse of what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is all about. Let's not get distracted because that's easy to do. So we wait and we watch, but we live as well. Because we're waiting and watching with expectation. We're waiting and watching with hope. We've got, you know, as a sermon series is all about, there's, there's a thrill of hope and there's this weary world that rejoices. And I think I want us to see this, that, that we somehow get to play a role in all of that. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, we read this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not grow weary in doing good, is how the Apostle Paul puts it. So we have work to do. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. The Apostle Paul is now talking about this darkness and light, these images of what Advent is all about, but also saying how we, the church, is to live in the midst of that. This is Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. The Apostle Paul says this, our salvation is nearer now than what we first believed. The Apostle Paul says you are to put on the armor of of light, that God is at work, that, that light is coming into the darkness. Salvation is closer than we think. The second advent is approaching. And then Paul kind of lays out a map. He kind of lays out a grid. He says, this is what you need to do. You need to put on this armor of light. And this armor of light, is, it's, it's not a natural armor. It's not physical armor. It's supernatural. But Paul is laying out the, the course and saying, this is then how you live. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul maps it out for us. I was thinking about uh, the, the concept of maps. And, you know, maps are very different these days than, than they used to be probably 20 um, or 30 years ago. And, you know, we have maps on our phones now and our smart devices. But I remember years ago, Shannon and I were doing a cross-country trip from California uh, to Princeton. And, um, and you know, back in those days when you did that, you, you had to – well, I don't know what you had to – what I did, I went to AAA. And you would walk into AAA and they would ask you, where are you going? And, you know, you would say, hey, we're going to the East Coast. And, and, and they would pull out a map, right? And they would get their highlighter – and they would highlight the path for you of how you move from the West Coast to the East Coast. 
And then they would give you other maps of the regions where you were going to be staying. And then they would give you these kind of tour books, the AAA tour book. You might remember those of, you know, what to see when you stopped, stopped in certain destinations. And, and so I remember when, when we were leaving, like I felt like half the back seat was filled with AAA stuff. We had our trip tick and we had our maps and we had our tour books and, and we started making our way. But, but here's the interesting thing. I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a safety hazard if you were driving by yourself. I mean, you open up that big map because you don't want to miss the freeways that you're supposed to be taking or the turnoffs you're supposed to take or any of those sorts of things. And and it's hard to drive and, and, and watch a map at the same time. And so you really needed a navigator. And And this, I think, is the way in which God's word and work actually happens. You see, God provides us this book, the Bible, to serve as sort of a map for us, for our lives, of how we are to live. But then we need someone who actually speaks to us as well, which is Jesus, who sits beside us and helps us navigate this world. Because we need someone calling out the directions. Because we don't always see clearly. And I think the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, look, put on Jesus. He is right there with you. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 7 and 8. And he's speaking here about the day of the Lord, about the second coming, the advent, the second advent. For those who sleep, this is verse 7, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And here's what I love. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. What does it mean to put on the armor of light? What does it mean to put on Jesus Christ? Paul says, you put on faith and love and you put on hope. And so what I want to encourage us with in these next four weeks or so, as we prepare to celebrate the joy of Christmas, but as we also consider the darkness of the world that we are in, how can we put on faith, love, and hope? As we wait and as we watch, I pray that you and I will clothe ourselves with the armor of light, with faith and love and hope. Because you never know when you might be the person helping to prepare the way helping to show the kingdom of God to someone you are talking to, to someone who you are in relationship with. This is the beautiful thing that we get to do. So let us wait with expectation. Let us watch with anticipation. And let us put on faith, love, and hope as we live out our lives and help point people to the love of Jesus. Pray with me, please.
God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the chance to, um, to be reminded of who you are. To, reminded that, to be reminded that your love has been poured out in the person of Jesus. Who has encouraged us to wait and watch with hope and expectation to be ready. And as we do that, to put on faith and love and hope. So guide us and lead us, we ask in your son's name.